Yeah. Three C's, Mafia. Yeah. Whoa, hey, whoa, hey, whoa, hey, whoa, 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 Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to No BS Season 3, Episode 3. Isaiah Furman, welcome back. How are you guys doing tonight? Isaiah, I'll start with you. How are you doing tonight? Trevor, I am doing good. I'm a little bit sleep deprived because, you know, this morning I woke up with the anticipation that one Matthew Stafford would be traded to my San Francisco 49ers. I had been hearing a lot of rumors, a lot of rumblings, you know, uh, the last few days indicating that a Matthew Stafford trade was imminent. And I thought, you know, uh, my guys, Javier Viga and Benjamin Albright, who we had here on the MI6 Sports Network, um, very trustworthy guys. Uh, normally, I don't really trust um, rumors for from unverified sources unless it's like from uh, Adam Schefter, Ian Rappaport, or Tom Pelissero, or Mike Garofolo. But Javier Vega and Benjamin Albright, you know, I've I trust them because I, we did have them on our show and they were very trustworthy and they were reporting that uh, from the senior bowl down in Mobile, Alabama, where a lot of the GMs and coaches and agents are right now. It's the place where um, a lot of the groundwork, the foundation for the offseason gets laid there. And they were reporting that um, there was a lot of smoke surrounding Matthew Stafford and the 49ers. Um, Javier Vega even said that his sources were telling him that, uh, the 49ers and Lions were in deep talks to get to send Matthew Stafford to the 49ers. And I woke up this morning. I was like, yeah, come on. Bring Matthew Stafford to me, man. I want Matthew Stafford as my quarterback. Uh, I slept this morning at like 4 a.m. Uh, I woke up at 6 a.m., checked my phone to see if there was like a breaking news that Matthew Stafford was a 49er, saw that there was nothing about Matthew Stafford and the 49ers, then went back to bed again, woke up two hours later, checked my phone again, nope, no Matthew Stafford to the Niners, then went, went to bed, checked my phone again after another two hours, and, you know, saw that Matthew Stafford was not a 49er. So I kept waking up every two hours tr trying to anticipate if Stafford was going to be a Niner or not. I even, like, when I was sleeping and I was dreaming, I was dreaming that I got that breaking news from Adam Schefter that, that the Niners had acquired Matthew Stafford. And all of that turned into rubble as the nothing happened today between the Niners and Matthew Stafford. So that wait continues on uh, t until tomorrow. So hopefully tomorrow we get the breaking news, but uh, I don't know. I'm just hoping that this can finally end. So this arduous, you know, weight of minds can finally go away and I can have some good sleep after this weight is over and my quarterback can finally be a 49er. Oh my God. <laughs> but before I get to Furman, Casey King has a good, you know, statement to add. But we'll talk about Matt Stafford later on in tonight's program. He says, Isaiah, I think St Stafford will – his trade will go basically after the Super Bowl. 
but he's not sure where Matt Stafford will end up because literally they've been telling everybody that he could literally go anywhere. So we have to wait and see how that goes. But Furman, how are you doing tonight before we get into our NFL segments and, you know, kick off tonight's episode? I'm doing great. I'm excited to talk about all the topics we'll be discussing together. And I also just want to, you know, I'm really excited, just like Isaiah, about this Matthew Stafford, Deshaun Watson thing, because I believe in the 49ers, and I think we have a great offense and also a great unit overall to work around, and we should be contenders. So if Matthew Stafford or Deshaun Watson thinks that the 49ers have a chance, it's going to be a great addition for us, and I think this team can definitely become Super Bowl contenders if we have a decent quarterback that can sling the ball and make good decisions. I also want to give a huge shout out to Lonzo Ball tonight, man. You had 27 points and seven made threes. Wow. And you did it against the Bucks too. And like, this is amazing because throughout this entire season, you've been talked, you know, really badly upon like, you know, there's so many trade talks right now that a lot of teams are interested in ball that, and the Pelicans are not interested in him. And, one other one thing I just have to say is please give my man Lonzo Ball a chance. He looked he just redeemed himself tonight. He made himself look like LaMelo Ball tonight. And he just and I think he knows now that he's gotta have a wake-up call. He's gonna get his shots down. He's finally ha- having the confidence to drive into the basket and making tougher layups. Like, man, Lonzo, you why can't you just do this every game? Because if you keep if you keep doing this every game. The Pel- there is no way that the Pelicans are going to trade you, man. Pelicans, please do not trade this man, Lonzo. Let him play three more or four more games. And if Lonzo continues to have this type of night, I hope to see an actual career high because his career high is 29 points. He better score like 30 points in the next within the next four days if he continues playing like this. All right, Furman. And before we go into our first NFL segment, we got to remind our fans it is day 15 without Callan. We're doing so far so well without Callan. Can't wait for his return. But as the days continue to increase, I will increase the number counter until the day that Callan returns. We'll, I'd probably come up with another, you know, a GIF or an emoji or some type of image to celebrate his return. But until then, we'll have Mr. Krabs giving it up for day 15 without Callan. But for tonight, gentlemen, let's dive into our first, you know, quote unquote topic is Deshaun Watson is requesting a trade for Houston. And to piggyback off of that, what is the best team for Deshaun Watson to join? I will go to Isaiah. Where do you think Deshaun Watson should end up being in his NFL career in his remaining days? Well, first of all, um, let me talk about this move real quick before I get into potential teams for Deshaun Watson. Um, I'm not surprised by this move. I thought it was a foregone conclusion ever since the end of the season when, um, you know, they had that GM and coaching surge and the Texans asked for Deshaun Watson's opinion, but they decided, you know, not to use any of his advice and not to you know, consider any of the names that he wanted to be the GM and the head coach of that football team. And Deshaun Watson felt betrayed by that. Um, He apparently had to learn via social media that um, not just like the DeAndre Hopkins 
trade broke back in March. He found that out via social media. Um, when the new GM, Nick Casario, got hired, he found that out via social media. And, you know, as the face of the franchise and the starting quarterback of that team, you know, that's a bad look for that organization because – for, I don't care like if he's the starting quarterback or if he's like the worst player on your team. None of your players should know uh, who the team hired and who the team traded via social media. That that should never ever happen. You should inform them beforehand of that move before the move is leaked onto social media. I thought it was a terrible job uh, by the Houston Texans. And I think that um, Houston should be ashamed of themselves. Uh, and, you know, for this, for this move, for Deshaun Watson, like I said, it was a foregone conclusion. Deshaun Watson, ever since uh, the GM and the head coaching botched search, you know, you've been hearing the rumors that he wanted out. And, uh, to, and yesterday it was made official that he wanted out. But, you know, I don't – I see it really hard for Deshaun Watson to get traded because, you know, I feel really bad for him uh, with the situation that he currently is right now. But if you look at his contract, the guy's under contract for the next – Five years, he's got his one year left of his rookie deal, plus he's got four more years of the contract extension that he just signed, so that's five years right there, plus the Houston Texans, they can tag him three more times um, before he becomes an unrestricted free agent. So you, he's technically under contract for eight more years. So he could be like Houston could just be like, hey, you know, Deshaun, we know you're unhappy, but hey, you're, you, you could be under contract with us for until 2028. So Deshaun Watson, I feel really bad for him. The Texans, you know, if he doesn't report, uh, they can just keep find, finding him a lot of money. Uh, they, I believe they can find him up to uh, $15 million. That's a lot of money right there, ladies and gentlemen. And if Deshaun Watson just says like, hey, if you're not going to trade me, I'm not going to play for this franchise. I'm just going to retire. Well, he's going to have to give up over $21 million. And that is a lot of money to give up. Um, I see it really, really difficult for uh, Deshaun Watson to get his wish. Um, but you know, I think, I hope Houston does it because I feel bad for Deshaun Watson, but I think for Houston's case, if they don't get the package that they want, if they don't get like the picks that they want, if they don't get the players that they want, I don't see Deshaun Watson being traded. And I could definitely see Deshaun Watson be being a Houston Texan next season. Um, uh, yeah, next season until Houston finds the right package, uh, to deal with Deshaun Watson. All right. And I guess if they do find the right package, Isaiah, what team do you think he could end up on? Ooh, that's a very tough question uh, because right now I think that San Francisco, uh, and we're going to get into this a little bit more later, I think that San Francisco is going to get Matthew Stafford. Uh, there's a lot of room, rumors swirling around that, a lot of smoke. Uh, there's just way too much smoke for there not to be fire. Um, so I think San Francisco is out of it. Uh, Indianapolis is another team that needs a quarterback, though I don't think the Houston Texans will do it because why would you trade your franchise quarterback in the division? It just doesn't make sense. Um, I could see Jacksonville, though I don't know if Urban Meyer and the Jaguars are willing to part with that number one pick. Um, you know what? I'm going to go with – this is a big surprise. I'm going to go with Denver. 
you know, the Denver Broncos, I think, could be a legitimate threat to get Deshaun Watson from the Houston Texans because they got a top pick in the, uh, this upcoming NFL draft. I believe their pick is number nine in the draft. They got a lot of salary kept space. They got uh, a bunch of picks the next few years. They can afford to get Deshaun Watson, and Vic Fangio knows he's on the hot seat. If he doesn't win right now or next season, he's going to get fired. So he needs a quarterback that can that he can plug in and win right away. And Drew Locke is not that guy. They need an upgrade at the quarterback position. So I think right now, for me, uh, I'm leaning towards Denver. Furman, what about you? Deshaun's Watson and his direction where he can end up landing. So what are your takes on all this, the whole debacle? I think it's a difficult decision difficult situation for Deshaun Watson right now because I feel like the Houston Texans are holding him back. It's definitely a difficult move um, just to think about, especially for the entire organization. But this is also, you know, the con- all, all the accumulations of just how terribly this organization has handled uh, their situations, especially with the way they've dealt their players and mismanaged players like Deshaun Watson. I think he was heavily impacted by the DeAndre Hopkins trade because this Houston Texans team did not look like a re- rebuilding team at all. And Deshaun Watson, I with his stats that he put up this year, it's amazing how um, it's amazing how how well he has played throughout the season despite losing almost every game for the Houston Texans. So just the just the loss of Deshaun or just the loss of DeAndre Hopkins has impacted him like a lot. And I think Bill O'Brien was even worse at managing the team as a GM slash head coach. So in his situation right now, I think ideally it's going to be difficult to trade him because of what his restrictions are under contract and what, what must be required, um, which most likely will include a lot of first round draft picks in order to deal with a, a, Pretty solid package for Deshaun Watson um, to leave Houston right now, but I'd say if he if Deshaun Watson's really focusing on going to a contender, I think the 49ers are uh, an amazing destination for him if the deal is possible. I'm not saying that's the ideal pick, ideal trade right now because it's obviously going to be very difficult for that to happen. But I would say that there are some other teams that I'm looking at that. Are, could fit that Deshaun Watson could fit really well because these teams could be contenders. They do have a roster that could back him up or they have a decent, a decent coach or management around that team. So I think Isaiah said that his picks will surprise you. Well, I'm just going to start with my uh, no brainers first, and then I'll go with my surprise picks. My first pick for Deshaun Watson is that I think he should go to either the Patriots or the Miami Dolphins because these teams have, a pretty solid organization. You could always rely on a guy like Bill Belichick. And also Deshaun Watson, you know, the Patriots didn't have a really strong offensive core, but if they can build around that within the next, I'd say, one to two years, if you have their, if you have that solid core in chemistry, you could play really well with Deshaun Watson. And Miami Dolphins, they had a really great season. They went 10-6. and six. They were second place behind Buffalo this year. And this team under Brian Flores, really transformed. And they're, they do look like deep playoff contenders to me. So I think Tua definitely has a 
had a pretty negative impact to Miami's offense. So adding Deshaun Watson into this team, especially with Miami's terrible offensive line, it will help them a lot uh, to generate a lot of momentum on offense in case anything back, uh, breaks down. You can really rely on a guy like Deshaun Watson. Now, I'm going to go over some surprise picks right now. Uh, I just hope that you guys won't be too shocked by it. But similar to what Isaiah said about the Denver Broncos, I do have a team in mind that's pretty similar to them, and it's the Washington football team. This this team has a really good defense. And on offense, they got guys like Antonio Gibson, Logan Thomas, and Terry McLaurin. If Deshaun Watson's added to this team, I think these guys are going to have a field day in this division because look at the rest of these teams, man. The Giants, Cowboys, and Eagles. I think this Washington football team got really lucky this year to win off this division. But if you're going to add Deshaun Watson, you're going to add way more Ws to that total. And one other team, this is probably the biggest surprise uh, you guys might anticipate. I think Deshaun Watson should go to the Chicago Bears despite their terrible organization because Matt Nagy has actually been a winning team with the Chicago Bears all, I believe, three seasons that he spent with them. Like, they've played terrible under Trubisky. They've played terrible under Matt Nagy's offense. But their defense and special teams are still really good. And if you have a guy like Deshaun Watson, they still have playmakers on offense. If Deshaun Watson is able to make better reads, fit better throws, who knows? Because the offensive line is obviously not the best in Chicago. That's why Nick Foles has a lot of trouble scanning the field. But if you have a better decision maker than Trubisky, I think if Deshaun Watson, if you put him in the Chicago Bears, all these players, in my opinion, are playoff contenders. And Matt Nagy and the offensive line is the only thing that's holding them back. Deshaun Watson, in my opinion, solves all of these problems for the players, at least the, the entire roster. And I, in my opinion, I think if, if Deshaun can end up in Chicago, they're going to be really deep playoff contenders, and they're probably going to win the division next year. All right, Furman, very good takes. I kind of have to agree with you with the Washington football team. I think there's bits and pieces there, but their quarterback issues what the real problem is. I understand you have Alex Smith, but why put that man in a potential risk to really – mess up his own personal life so Deshaun Watson going to Washington is a good location but I think it's going to be the AFC North with the Cincinnati Bengals or the Pittsburgh Steelers Pittsburgh Steelers are Ben Roethlisberger is aging at a I would say an alarming rate in the NFL world I understand you know you have Tom Brady who's 43 about to in his you know 10 Super Bowl appearance but I think you need to start looking up for a nice contingency plan to at least compete in that division. Because look at that division. They have a young Lamar Jackson, Baker Mayfield. And if Joe Burrow is healthy, you know, the Steelers will probably finish last place. Though they wouldn't because they have a nice solid defense. But just imagine with them, with Deshaun Watson, they have a good running back. They have, you know, Juju Smith. And then you add Deshaun Watson. That's not a bad combination right there. So it's going to be something interesting. But the also the flip side is if Cincinnati – decides to get Deshaun Watson and they don't want to trust and put Joe Burrow right back into the saddle just yet and give him, you know, a time to really 100% recover and give that franchise at least a good run for its money. But at the same time, they could continue to tank with their backup quarterback and get draft picks to build Joe Burrow, that offensive line. So it's going to be really interesting to see if the AFC North gets into the playoff picture, 
but you could also see an aging veteran and Matt Ryan slip his way through and go to the Pittsburgh Steelers as well to give them, you know, a contention run for the playoffs. Cause you know, Pittsburgh Steelers are always running for championships and, and this is really them to make a playoff push to, you know, challenge, you know, Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas city chiefs, but it's going to be very, you know, touch and go as that progresses. I would say another team like you guys probably would say is the jets. The jets wouldn't be the best location, but at the same time, I just think, you know, Deshaun Watson, and the jets, there's just not enough weapons from he would literally be carrying the team on his back. So that is really rules out the question. I do like the Miami Dolphins with the trade with Tua, the sh- and then the Texans get Tua, and they can sort of build something off of that. Get a couple good picks from Deshaun Watson in the you know upcoming draft. So we have to see how that unfolds. Also, I will have to gr- agree with you, Furman, with the whole Patriot saga, but also leaves the question: What happens to Cam Newton as well? So we have to see how that also unfolds if they if Deshaun Watson decides to go to New England. But let me read some of our viewers' comments. So Kirstie Wilson has to say, Deshaun Watson to the Patriots, you know, I think that's very self-explanatory. We d- definitely hit on that. We have Henry G. Deshaun Watson to Carolina, guaranteed. I'm going to have to backlash that and say Teddy Bridgewater, if he's healthy, why, why do you need another quarterback when Teddy Bridgewater can get the job done when he's healthy? So if he's injured again, then obviously it makes sense. You try to bring Deshaun Watson in and continue that progress. Isaiah, go. I disagree with that, Trevor. If Matt Rue and the Carolina Panthers have the opportunity to go out and get a Deshaun Watson, they should jump on it right now because I think Teddy Bridgewater is just a, um, a stopgap quarterback for right now until the Panthers find their – franchise quarterback um i think the panthers they correct me if i'm wrong trevor i might be wrong on this but the panthers do have a lot of draft picks uh they've got a top draft pick in the upcoming nfl draft they got a lot of money so they can afford to pay king's ransom for deshaun watson it's just a matter of does watson want to go back home to carolina because he grew or he went to school at clemson which is nearby from where the panthers play and do, will Matt Rue, does Matt Rue think that Deshaun Watson is the guy that can take that team uh, not only to the playoffs, but deep into the playoffs? So they're going to have to discuss that. But I could definitely see Carolina being a great fit for Deshaun Watson. That division is tough as it is already. I'm assuming Tom Brady doesn't retire after this season and continues to press forth. And now you have Jameis Winston probably going to take the helm of the you know Saints. Matt Ryan is probably going to stay in the Falcons. So now you're going to add Deshaun Watson in the mix. And it's looking like the Seattle Seahawks division with the 49ers and the Rams and the Cardinals at this rate. So like the NFC is starting to slowly stack up, which is pretty impressive. But at the same time, it's like who's going to come out on top and be in the Super Bowl? That's what it really boils down at the end of the day. Richard, you know, his pick was what about the Rams? I think that's also an interesting pick. But at the same time, you have Jared Goff, and he's still doing all right, though some people may say his performance is not great. But he got to the playoffs this year, so you can't really get rid of a playoff quarterback who just got you there. And he's already been to a Super Bowl, though he lost. He could probably get back to it and maybe win it. It just depends who's on the other side. But Isaiah, you got something. It's that contract. That contract is nearly impossible to move 
uh, to move off of from. Like, we're going to get into this later with Stafford, but that's why I don't think the Rams will be able to trade for Stafford because, you know, the uh, not the Lions, but the the Texans will want picks. They're going to want players for Deshaun Watson and the Rams. Uh, they don't have a first round pick until I believe 2024. The Rams also don't have a second round pick until at least 2023. And also that Jared Goff contract, if the Rams were to move on from him, I believe they have to eat at least, they, they will have like a dead cap hit of 20 plus million dollars. So I see the Rams as a very unlikely uh, fit for Deshaun Watson. And then going back to Henry G, he said Garoppolo go back to New England. I know it's not on our topic for tonight, but gentlemen, do you see this as a possibility that you know Garoppolo goes back to New England? Um, I could see it because you know Belichick really loves Jimmy Garoppolo, and also. Um, I think that San Francisco, if they do end up pulling the deal off for Matthew Stafford, I just I don't see any team that is going to give San Francisco like a first, second or third round pick for Jimmy Garoppolo. He's just too injury prone. He can't stay on the football field. And when he's on the football field, the guy's really inconsistent. So I think the highest pick San Francisco could get for uh, Jimmy Garoppolo is maybe a fifth or a sixth round pick. And, you know, maybe Belichick will throw out a sixth round pick or a fifth round pick to get Jimmy G back into the fold. Isaiah, I also have a take on this. So I think it's definitely possible to get, take back Jimmy G uh, to the Patriots because Brian Hoyer was, all, was also a player that was backing up uh, Brady with the Patriots. And Belichick still had no hesitation and got him back right back in. So, in my opinion, I think Belichick has a lot of interest in his former players. He will bring them back. And I think Belichick will find a way to bring Jimmy G back, at least to give him a second chance. And I think the really the only main issue for me, for Jimmy G at least, if he goes to the Patriots, is his durability. Regardless of his accuracy issues that I've seen from the Niners this year, I think uh I think Bill Belichick's gonna find a way to just address those issues really fast. So durability is my main concern. Other than that, I think Bill Belichick is definitely going to try to bring him back if the 49ers make a move this season. All right, gentlemen. Moving on, Casey King says that Deshaun Watson will not be traded in the division, but there's just too many options and there's just way too many rumors. I agree. We're, we're still you know in the NFL season, but at the tail end. But offseason, I will definitely say, is going to be the most interesting in the world of Season veteran quarterbacks, and you could see teams, you know, try to trade up and get rid of these veterans to bring either new talent to their team because they have different pieces and weapons around or just make things happen. But I think that will put it until, you know, in the offseason. Kiersey Wilson comes back with, what, wonder what will Callan think about Deshaun Watson to the Bears. And as we also continue... With um, Ezermail, I hope I, I'm sorry for butchering your name wrong, but how about the Raiders, fellas? Deshaun Watson to the Raiders, adding more quarterback drama. They, they just have too many quarterbacks. They have Derek Carr, Mariota. Now you're going to add Deshaun Watson. Is this just a quarterback clinic at this point? I don't think so. And our man, Shree, Shree coming in with the Colts or the Dolphins is a great destination for Watson. 
And he could also argue for, you know, he's from Georgia, so maybe the Falcons too. Seems like they'll move on from Matt Ryan. So we'll see what the offseason does. Fingers crossed that Matt Ryan gets traded somewhere so I can hop on this Matt Ryan bandwagon before it actually gets underway and tell everybody, I told you so. But with that, gentlemen, we will move on to our next topic with the Rams and Matt Stafford. So today, the Rams have been, you know, in the rumor mill of this, and they are considering to try to get Matt Stafford. I have no idea if this is really necessary. I know we talked a little bit about it earlier when one of our fans made a comment about it, but I just don't think the Rams really need Matt Stafford when they already have Jared Goff and he's done so much for that organization. It's not like he's losing and having like three and 13 season. He's been in the playoffs already, though. He may not have clinched a division. Maybe he has clinched a division, but at the same time, he is a playoff contending quarterback. Why are you trying to get rid of him to bring Matt Stafford, who hasn't been in the playoffs in quite some time? So I'll go to Isaiah. What are your thoughts and reactions to this whole rumor mill going on with the Rams and Matt Stafford? Well, when I saw this come out today from Jeremy Fowler of ESPN, um, I immediately saw a lot of people on Twitter freaking out about it, especially 49ers fans. They were like, oh, my God, the Niners, John Lynch, go hurry up and give them our 12th pick and get uh, Matthew Stafford so the Rams can't get Stafford. My immediate reaction to seeing all these Niner fans flipping out about this was this emoji right here, the face palm. Ladies and gentlemen, relax. This is all part of trade negotiations. I call complete BS on this move. And the reason why, or not this move, this story, I completely call BS on it is because I think that this is the Detroit Lions leaking this story out because there's not that much interest like they originally anticipated in Matthew Stafford. They're trying to get either the Niners, the Colts, or whoever that is in the bidding for Matthew Stafford to up their price or up the compensation up for Matthew Stafford. I think that this is what it is. When you look at the Rams, right? Let's, let's break this down, ladies and gentlemen. The Los Angeles Rams they have Jared Goff right now. I believe he's under contract for the next three, four years. Jared Goff's contract is nearly impossible to move. Uh, if you tr if you were to release Jared Goff, you would have a $20 million plus dead cap. That is a lot of money. And also, uh, if you were to cut him before June 1st, it is $65 million in dead cap. That is just way too much money. The Rams are not going to cut him, so they're going to have to trade him. And who is going to trade for Jared Goff? Jared Goff this season, uh, he had kind of an inconsistent year. He's been inconsistent the last couple of years. Plus, he dealt with injuries. I don't see a, any team trading for that massive contract of Jared Goff. And when you look at the Rams draft picks, they don't have a first-round pick this season. Or, or this year, they don't have a, a first round pick, I believe, until 2024. They don't have a second round pick until, or no, or no, they do have a second round pick this year, but after this year, I believe they don't have a second round pick until 2023. So it's going to be really, really tough for the Rams to get Jared Goff. The only way I could see the Rams getting, uh, not Jared Goff, getting Matthew Stafford is if the Rams 
or if the Lions somehow accept a deal which they send Matthew Stafford to L.A. for Jared Goff straight up in a quarterback-for-quarterback swap. And I highly doubt the Lions are going to do something that dumb when they are rebuilding. They need draft picks. Uh, they need a lot more assets to rebuild that team. They need a young quarterback. They're going to draft a young quarterback as well. So I, I really don't see it. I think that this is just the Lions trying to leak a story out to try to get either the Niners, the Colts, whoever's bidding for Matthew Stafford uh, to give more in a trade package for Stafford. All right. And, uh, and Furman, what do you think of this hot mess going on in the rumor mill with the Rams and Mr. Stafford? Well, the Rams spent a lot of money on free agents and they've done that for like the past few years. So I think this is a very risky decision for the Rams to make if they're going to spend this much money on a guy like Matthew Stafford. I think this is I think this is going to be a very very interesting decision because the Rams are still very strong playoff contenders. Under Sean McVay, they haven't had a losing season and yeah, they're not they're obviously not the same Super Bowl team that they were that they once had in 2018 when they went 13 and 3. But they still made it to the playoffs this year at 10 and 6. Now, I'm going to go off with Jared Goff's uh, current situation, how he's doing with the Rams and his contract. So in my opinion, I think it's a really bad decision to cut Jared Goff for the exact same reason Isaiah just said previously, because if you cut Jared Goff right now and you've and considering the fact that you spent so much money on your players in the free agency already, you're going to, it's going to cost you $65 million for the Rams to cut Jared Goff. And that's, Obviously not worth it because you don't have a lot of room for error as the Rams right now. Right now, you have a lot fewer draft picks and all of your players are basically getting paid a lot of money. So you need to be very smart with this decision because you're still a playoff contending team. So Goff, I'm going to go on, elaborate more into him right now and why, and I'm going to explain why I think this might be actually a good decision for the Rams. So I've seen a lot of issues with Jared Goff, uh, after, especially after the Super Bowl loss. He's played really well during his first two seasons under McVay. But ever since this O-line has been playing a lot worse in the last two seasons, he has also played a lot worse. And I also see this a lot every time because I see him play the 49ers twice a year. And I kind of see you know, how he makes reads, how he makes throws. And I'll just tell you this, even with a really good offensive line, Jared Goff, Jared Goff's off the Rams offensive line is did a, actually did a really good job protecting him against the 49ers but a lot of the easy throws he made especially to the sidelines were overthrown there were not they were not accurate passes he has a lot of accuracy issues right now regardless of whether he's under pressure or not and that is exactly why you've seen his quarterback rating go down and on top of that if the O-line struggles, he plays even worse. He fumbles the ball under pressure, I, I think, as much as Carson Wentz. And he also has terrible pocket presence. I've seen this from Jimmy G, and Jared Goff is no different. He runs into his collapsing pockets all the time and takes horrible sacks. He doesn't look to throw the ball away, and he just doesn't seem to have that trait of making good decisions when he's under pressure. So I think it is a good idea to somehow have this deal have this deal done because right now you're still a playoff contending team 
And if you take the risk, Stafford, in my opinion, is way better than Goff. And if you have Stafford on your team with the Rams right now, he is willing to make these really good decisions. He makes accurate decisions too. He's not going to have these issues you see from Goff. He does fumble the ball quite a bit, but at the same time, he's he has shown that throughout all these, I believe, nine to ten seasons with the Lions, he's he has become their franchise quarterback, and they've rebuilt around him many times. So if he goes to the Rams right now, I think the Rams will be even better than just playoff contenders. And my only issue with this decision is obviously the money, but my second issue with this decision is that Stafford has also has bad mobility, just like golf. He doesn't really move around the pocket very well, um, or he doesn't move out of the pocket as well. And Sean McVay and the Rams offense, they run a lot of bootlegs, and I haven't really seen Stafford kind of fit into that offense, especially with the Lions. I don't really see a lot of bootlegs from him. I don't see a lot of play-action rollouts. So it's going to be interesting to see how he adapts to that. So that's my take on this whole situation. All right, gentlemen. I just don't think the Rams really need to go make the investments. I think you have enough, I guess, talent around Jared Goff to make something happen. You know, you can just give them a good solid line. Your de- the Rams' defense is, like, on par, creating good turnovers for them and allows, you know, Jared Goff to manage the game well. You could say, you know, Jared Goff is not that quarterback to win those big games, and he's more of a game manager, and that is fine. But at the same time, when you get in the playoffs, I think that game management aspect is definitely very crucial when you're going up against an elite quarterback like an Aaron Rodgers or a Tom Brady now that he has to face. And if you're able to manage this game well and outmanage some of the elite quarterbacks that are left in the league, then he's really like, it's just like a game away from him being back in the Super Bowl and facing Patrick Mahomes or whatever AFC quarterback is on the other end for him. But, you know, I'll go to some of our viewers' comments. Casey King, he says his Rams have a better shot at giving Stafford than Deshaun Watson. I kind of have to agree with that. You know, Deshaun Watson has probably had that high price tag, but if you want something that's more consistent and you like a pocket passer, I think Matt Stafford is definitely the go-to for that. And Jared Goff is a similar like pocket passer. He doesn't really tuck and go as like you see a lot of the mobile quarterbacks. He sits back in the pocket and he will hit it to like, you know, woods down deep and just, you know, change up the different play calls. Kirsty Wilson says, you know, the Rams are way too invested in Jared Goff. I'm going to have to agree with her on that. It's just like you don't really need a new quarterback. He's like I said earlier, he's not really tanking. But at the same time, it'd be different if he was like continue like was injury prone and he kept getting injured year after year. Like uh, I would say like Jimmy G as an example. But, you know, there I rest my case. And then last but not least for Casey, they might end up just doing, you know, a trade with the Lions GM because he was a, you know, former uh, director for, you know, scouting the Rams. But we'll see what happens. If they don't get Stafford, he's okay with bringing Goff back. And maybe um, Will Ford will challenge him and, you know, see if he can push Jared Goff to, you know, make his job better. And Nashri says Rams need a competent quarterback now before their defense stops (laughs) being elite. So they need to make the change. You know, Shri, that is very true. But at the same time, I think you need that. I guess you have to decide if they're trying to do the Super Bowl push now 
or they're trying to wait for the longevity for the veteran quarterbacks to leave the picture where you just only have either maybe Russell Wilson just left out of the veterans and Aaron Rodgers on a different team and then maybe like open up the playing field, but it's really hard to tell what the rest of the field is going to end up becoming. But continuing the world of Matthew Stafford, if the 49ers decide to trade him for their 12th round pick, is it really necessary? I know Isaiah, our lovely scriptwriter for tonight's show, put this on. So Isaiah, I need you to explain why the, you know, the 49ers should try to get Matthew Stafford and trade away their 12th pick. 1,000%. The 49ers should trade that 12th pick to the Detroit Lions for Matthew Stafford. No doubt about it. No hesitation. Just do it right now. If that is what is keeping you from getting over that hump and getting Matthew Stafford, John Lynch, do it. Give them the 12th pick. And the reason being is that draft picks are not guaranteed. Yes, they could turn out to be superstars. They could turn out to be uh, middle-tier players. But also, they could turn out to be bust. And if you look at the 49ers draft history under Shanahan and Lynch, it's been really, really inconsistent. You start off with Solomon Thomas, the first pick of the Shanahan Lynch era. Solomon Thomas has been a complete bust with the San Francisco 49ers. I don't think he's even had more than five sacks in a season in five years with the 49ers. Uh, they're going to be moving on from him uh, in the offseason, so he's going to be gone. That's a bust right there. And then you go to Reuben Foster, another bust who um, – he was a very talented linebacker coming out of Alabama, but he was plagued by injuries and also plagued by off-field trouble. You know, this guy could not stay uh, stay out of trouble to save his life. Uh, when he did stay out of trouble, when he was able to play on the football field, he couldn't stay healthy. So that turned out to be another bust. I think he only lasted like two years with the San Francisco 49ers before the 49ers cut him due to uh, issues with domestic violence. And then you look at uh, guys like Nick Bosa, obviously that worked out. You know, Nick Bosa had a fantastic year last season before he tore his ACL this season. Um, and then you go to guys like Javon Kinlaw. Uh, the jury is still out on Javon Kinlaw. Javon Kinlaw only had, I believe, two sacks or no, one and a half sacks this past season. But he was great when it came to stopping the running game. Um, and also uh, he did have an interception off of Jared Goff. So uh, the jury is still out on him. But, you know, draft picks, like I say all the time, they are inconsistent or not inconsistent. They are like a gamble. You don't know if you're getting a potential superstar. You don't know if the guy could turn out to be a middle tier player or he could turn out to be a bust. Matthew Stafford is a proven commodity. The guy has played 12 seasons in the NFL and in nine out of 12 seasons, the guy has played 16 games. He's played all 16 games in nine out of 12 seasons. He's basically an Iron Man. Uh, you know, I know a lot of people are saying, oh, he's old. He can't stay healthy. Well, Matthew Stafford has played five times more games than Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo can't stay healthy to save his life. I would rather bank on Matthew Stafford than bank on Jimmy Garoppolo. And Matthew Stafford throws a better deep ball than Jimmy Garoppolo and that is a trait that I think would help unlock this Kyle Shanahan offense and take it to the next level because you have a lot of guys that are very fast and can speed down the field. And Jimmy 
when he sees the guys down the field, he just can't deliver the football to them. He doesn't put enough touch on the ball or he puts too much touch on the ball and it ends up being an incomplete pass or an interception. And I think Matthew Stafford is going to be a major upgrade over Jimmy Garoppolo. And I know the 49ers right now, they're in win-now mode. This team is built to win now. Uh, I think their window is maybe two, three years. And then like we'll see what happens down the line. But Matthew Stafford comes in. He's under contract for the next two years. That's perfect. You can win right now with him. And then it will give you two, three years to find that replacement. And once you find him, you can sit him on the bench behind Matthew Stafford and groom him. And once Stafford decides either to move on from the Niners or he retires, you can bring in that rookie or that quarterback that you drafted, and it will be a seamless transition. So I think definitely the 49ers should give up that first round pick number 12 to make it happen because I rather have a proven commodity than an unproven commodity where you don't really know how that draft pick is going to pan out. And Furman, what about you? Where, where, where do you think, you know, is this really necessary for the 49ers to give up their 12th round pick to try to get Matthew Stafford? I would say no, because I have to say, though, actually, because I disagree with what Isaiah said about Matthew Stafford versus Jimmy G in terms of durability. I think Matthew Stafford has a lot of issues right now with his durability. I can't guarantee that Matthew Stafford is going to last us a full season right now because in his last two years with the Lions, he's been constantly getting injured after injuries after injuries, and he had to sit out the season with a back injury, I believe, in 2018 or 2019. So this is an ongoing trend for Matthew Stafford. And I see it kind of leading more towards, I see him leading more towards like an Andrew Luck type of situation where injuries are just derailing more of his career than his actual gameplay and practices. So this is my biggest concern for Stafford right now. And if you're going to really delve deeper onto this, the 49ers offensive line is terrible. They, they, they have failed to protect our quarterbacks consistently every game. McGlinchey and the right guards have been horrible. And if you're going to expect Stafford with his, you know, his recent histories of injuries and also he's not very mobile, I don't know how he's going to be able to survive this pocket by and play and actually play a full season. And if you're going to risk all that, risk the first round pick just to get a player like Matthew Stafford who is injury prone. I think this is really, really risky because Matthew Stafford, he, the offensive line in the Lions have been bad, has always been bad already, and he's been hurt by it. So, and if and on top of that, I know Isaiah said that first round picks are risky; they're a gamble, a ri- high risk, high reward type of decision. But you still have Jimmy G right now. Yeah, he's not the perfect quarterback, but if you do draft a quarterback by chance, like I, I'm gonna just throw it out there again, Trey Lance. If he's still on the board, you don't need to start him right away. You could literally spend at least a year to, de- to develop him. And I still think that if the 49ers continue to keep the sim- similar type of players right now on this roster, you could have a guy like Trey Lance break out in like the second or third season and, and let go of Jimmy G. And it's not just a quarterback that, that you could draft in the first round. There's a lot of issues that the 49ers still have. One of those being the secondary and, if, if Patrick Sertan is still in the draft board, I think we need to take a, another secondary just to help out Jason Verrett, 
um, Kwan Williams, and quite possibly Emmanuel Mosley. So our secondary needs a lot of help, and that's that could be our our, our high risk pick right there. And finally, I think we need to address the blo- uh, blocking, pass blocking especially. So you probably need to go out your way a little bit and kind of improvise. Analysts are saying right now Kyle Pitts as like the tight end being drafted. He could help us with blocking. I don't really know if he's actually a blocker, but if he is a blocker, that would be great. But but that would be a bit of an improvisation under Shanahan's offense. Or we could draft another better right guard or right tackle. And hopefully, I just hope Shanahan, you know, if he listens to me, he I, I think he just has some some type of thing with McGlinchey. Um, I think we need to let go of McGlinchey and replace him with someone better as well as replace a right guard in some sorts. Anywhere in those positions on right guard, right tackle, first round pick is right there on the spot. You need to clock that in for an offensive tackle. All right. I know I'm looking at the 49ers. Yes, they need a quarterback. Jimmy G's getting too injury prone and you need to move on. I just don't think Matthew Stafford is that type of quarterback for the 49ers. Yes, their defense is incredible. Yes, you know, they have a good, decent wide receiver core. But it's like, can you get a quarterback that, you know, can hit the deep ball pretty often? And, you know, I think I will go to Shree's comment. What about Matt Ryan reuniting with Shanahan? So, you know, I think this is pretty reasonable if Ryan decides to go out there you know you know the 49ers and Matt Ryan I I, I like that get him get him in that nice you know golden brown golden brown jersey see how he performs I want to go to your guys's thoughts what do you think if Matt Ryan ends up going to the 49ers and they you know try to pursue him instead of Matthew Stafford I'll go to Isaiah um I think that Matthew Stafford is still the better option because I think that Stafford is younger and he's, um, you know, Ryan for me, I feel like has tailed off the last couple of years. And I think that even though Ryan, like the trade, the price to get Ryan is not that much. I would still rather have Stafford because I think he has a better arm than Ryan. I think that you could, you know, Stafford, like I said, he's only 32 years old. Um, he's played, I think, what, 12 seasons in the league. And he's a guy that, you know, has shown to be very durable. And I just don't know with Matt Ryan entering third, like the his 30, like what, 35 years uh, of his life. You know, I don't know if Matt Ryan will be able to stay healthy because he did miss a good chunk of last or this past season uh, due to injury. So I don't know if uh, Matt Ryan would be a good option for the Niners. Obviously, I would take him if you can't get Stafford, uh, if you can't get Deshaun Watson, but he would be like third on my list in terms of 49ers quarterback options. Before I get to Furman, Kersey Wilson said Matt Ryan going to the 49ers would be interesting. So Furman, what are you? What is your really thought? You know, Matt Ryan going to the 49ers. I still think Stafford might be a better option here. It's a slight trade-off because Stafford's younger. He's only 32. Matt Ryan's 35. And usually, when you get older at around that type of age range, your arm starts to lose, give out, and I've seen a lot of uh, Matt Ryan's games this season and I've seen plays where he could have easily thrown a touchdown and he knew it in his 
mind that he could have thrown that earlier if he was younger, but his arm just didn't give him that same type of strength to make that throw. So Stafford's definitely a better decision here. But I would say, like I said, Stafford in 2019, he went through a lot of he went through a huge injury. And I'm afraid for that Stafford will go through the same injuries under this 49ers offensive line right now. And on top of that, Matt Ryan, he has playoff experience. He's won a lot more games than Stafford, who is 0-3 in the playoffs. Matt Ryan knows what it's like to win playoff games with Shanahan. And Matt Ryan, if you watch him play games, he gets rid of the ball really fast. He knows exactly where to throw. And if you, we have a lot of good receivers right now. And George Kittle, if these guys have decent separation and runs after the catch, that's, what, that's how Matt Ryan benefits and thrives on offense. And obviously, if you give Matt Ryan time, you don't even have to give him too much time. He can still make these deep balls. It's obviously not going to be as accurate as before, but he's still able to understand and be aware of how, when to make these good decisions on the fly and really fast. And he's always been known to throw the, get rid of the ball fast, regardless of the offensive line. So there's a really good trade-off here, but I'd still say Stafford's a slightly better option. I'm going to have to counter you with that, um, Furman. I think if you're trying to win a Super Bowl, I think the better option is probably going to go with Matt Ryan. You have that veteran experience in the playoffs, and you have, you know, you can, your 49ers team has been in the Super Bowl before. So now you take a quarterback that has lost the Super Bowl, is probably seeking vengeance to get that opportunity to get, be back in the postseason and get to that Super Bowl. And now you have the 49ers team looking to make their revenge after getting embarrassed. And two Super Bowls with, you know, the Ravens not being able to win at that time. And then now losing to, like, the Chiefs. So I think there's a lot of bitterness in that organization saying, can we finally win a Super Bowl again? The last time we won it was, like, in the 90s. Can we win it in the modern era almost? So I think they're really going to go after a Super Bowl. It's like how the Tampa Bay Buccaneers went after Tom Brady. And look at them now. They're in the Super Bowl in one season. No one would have really thought that, you know, Tom Brady would take them all the way to the Super Bowl this season. A lot of people had them, Tom Brady, get into the playoffs, but probably losing either in like the, the divisional round or the, in the NFC Championship game, depending what ended up happening. But now he's in the Super Bowl, and all the haters would be like, dang, we just screwed up. But, you know, they're gonna probably going to continue to hate on him until he wins it. But, you know, the more the more of the story is, you know, age really doesn't really matter in the NFL, it looks like at this point, with Tom Brady leading the helm. But we have to wait and see how the Super Bowl, you know, and prevails. And Kersey Wilson brings in a great fact. The Niners' last Super Bowl was in 1994, so Super Bowl 28. So, oh, wait, no, never, mind, never mind, Super Bowl 29. Thank you, Kersey. But, you know, Kersey, um, Casey King says that Matt Ryan going to the Patriots. He also went to Boston, Boston College, so going back home to Boston, getting that experience is also interesting. Shree thinks that, you know, Matt Ryan has better Alex Smith. He can ride a good defense and run game to the playoffs and make good enough throws. And that's what the Niners need, in my opinion. So as we, you know, can close this, you know, NFL quarterback discussion, I think, you know, the Niners should probably in reality, I think, go after Matt Ryan. But at that, I'll just leave it at that, leave it up to the fans and all our fantasy theories out there where Matt Ryan can go, but only time will tell in this offseason. But now let us move on to 
are revisiting our preseason picks for this year. Isaiah, can you please bring up that screen? Uh, look at that. Let's look at some of, some of Isaiah's picks. Dust it off. Dust it off. It's been a long time since we've seen these. So for Isaiah, his picks were for the NFC West was the 49ers. They got injury prone, so that was out. So Isaiah's 0 for 1. Tampa Bay Buccaneers winning the you know NFC South. We'll give them a tie because they ended up making the playoffs on that one. So Isaiah's 0 one and one Minnesota Vikings winning the N NFC North fat chance. They lost sunk the boat, sunk the boat, the Minnesota. <laughs> so Isaiah's oh for two for one. The Dallas Cowboys winning this division. Isaiah oh for three for one. The Saints in the wild card, well, they didn't win the wild card, so Isaiah is 0 for 3 for 2. <laughs> Green Bay in the wild card, I think they got the bye. So he's 0 3 for 3. And the Seattle Seahawks in the wild card, Isaiah, you finally get your first dub. How do you feel? <laughs> I feel great. Pop that champagne, Trevor. Get so that Isaiah, champagne. Your, your picks were 1, 3, and 3. Oh, Oh man, now let's go to Furman. So Furman's picks. He got Wait, the Trevor, well, Don't even talk about it. I mean <laughs> <laughs> this all my picks for the NFC just looks completely delusional. I mean uh, <laughs> I'll just ex give us quick explanation on how it went wrong. Look, in the NFC West, there's always this surprise team that goes on top. And it was the 49ers and Rams. So I was like, okay. Arizona has to go on top right now, right? They have, a, they have a good team. And they decide to choke in the second half of the season. I had that pick right going all along until that moment. Now, I would say that the only pick I would be proud of is Tampa Bay in the NFC South because they're in the Super Bowl. And I've always predicted that this team is not going to be perfect, but they're going to make get out of their ways in the second half of the season after the team chemistry gets better. And that's where they're going to start their rise. But wow, I was really surprised that they lost to the Saints twice, including getting blown out by them. But they actually beat them in the playoffs when it mattered. So that was the only pick I'm proud of. But I still lost all of my picks pretty much. I think the only pick I got right was uh, the Saints and Seattle making it into the wild card. So it's pretty similar to Isaiah's. I don't want to talk about it anymore. Hey, you're one better than Isaiah. T take that with pride. <laughs> Don't even get me started on the AFC pick. No, don't get me started with the AFC. We'll, for we'll, go, that, hey, we'll go to that once, you, Trevor. It's your turn to face the viewers like, on your picks. You're gonna have to scroll down. The viewers can't see my picks, Isaiah. All right, I'll try to. Oh, that's a little, little bit too far. Is a little bit you too your, going. You have your picks. Oh, right there. All right, so my picks: the Seattle Seahawks winning the division. Did they win the division? No, oh, they got wild card, right? No, they won the division. They won oh, the division. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm 1-0. The Saints winning the division. 2-0, baby. Green Bay winning the division. 3-0. Oh, man, guys. Oh, look at my picks. You know, this is why I was the king of the tables and pick but finished second, you know? Oh, my man. picks were spot on. 
the Dallas Cowboys, they have potential, but injuries slaughtered this pick, and that's why they weren't there, and the Washington football team got in. If they were healthy, I'd probably be 4-0 right now. The 49ers let me down because they got hurt, so that eliminated them out of the wild card contention. Same with Kirk Cousins, you know, my captain. My captain let the boat sink, so – I am hey, not Trevor. Yo. Don't blame it on Cousins. He played great in the second half of the season. It was the defense. Let's admit it. <laughs> Minnesota's defense stopped. let them down. <laughs> he was close, but he failed in the end. And then I put the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the wild card. So I really only miss three of those picks. I, I think I think that's a pretty good job besides two of those teams running into injury issues. So I will gladly take that. Now let's go on to the AFC uh, division, gentlemen. Uh, Isaiah, I, I don't know how our fans are going to react to this, but let, let, let's keep let's keep going. <laughs> All right, for Isaiah, Isaiah, you have the Denver Broncos winning this division. Please explain yourself, please. <laughs> that was the dumbest pick that I have made in my life. I made the mistake of. You know, drinking the Drew Locke Kool-Aid, you know, after he went four and one the final five games of the season. I hyped him up to be like this next great quarterback of the Denver Broncos. Uh, I kind of over I not kind of. I overhyped him a lot, and I was wrong on that. I said that he was gonna throw for like over four thousand yards and forty touchdowns and win MVP. That 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 it makes me look absolutely ridiculous. I don't know uh, what kind of like out, like maybe beer that I was drinking before I made that pick. Um, but it was so dumb and I, I regret it. And I learned my lesson. I am never picking against Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas city chiefs in that division. You said you weren't afraid of him. What happened? He spooked you now. Finally, <laughs> And then his next pick was the Indianapolis Colts. You know, that's a good pick. That that wasn't a bad pick, to be it honest. Even though I know Indianapolis didn't win the division, but it went, it was neck and neck. It came down to week 17. And if the Texans do not blow that coverage on defense in the final 15 seconds of that week 17 game against the Tennessee Titans, uh and I think they go to overtime, and I think the Texans actually win the game. And also, if the Titans kicker doesn't get lucky and mi he misses that field goal in which it hits the uh, it hits the upright and it bounces in, uh, I think the Texans win that game, and Indianapolis wins that division. That was a very very close battle, um, and it was a you know head to head neck to neck race until the very end. And then you have the Cleveland Browns. I think I think that one was almost perfect, though. Like the Browns ended up falling short. I think you were pretty close with that pick. If you know the Browns didn't have a terrible home opening against like the Ravens or the Steelers early on, they were able to capitalize one of those two games. I think they probably would have clinched that division. If they could beat the Pittsburgh Steelers, they would at least one time in the regular season. They I guess they did technically the with the backups in. It's or no, if they could beat Pittsburgh, I believe it was week two or yeah, week two. Yeah, they would have won the division. It's it's it is what it is. But hey, at least they beat Pittsburgh in the uh, the wild card game though. 
Then we have the Buffalo Bills. Good pick. Your first win in this column. Wild card, you know, Kansas City. You know they were the kings of this division. Come on now. Baltimore wild card. Good pick, Isaiah. You got another dub. And then Houston. I guess this was before all the trade rumors. So I, I kind of I'll, I'll give you a bypass because the trade rumors really screwed up that organization. I, I wouldn't say that pick. Like it wasn't bad coming into the season because even though they did lose DeAndre Hopkins and they lost uh, a bunch of other players, the Houston Texans still have Deshaun Watson. They have a pretty good defense with JJ Watt, and uh, I think a lot of people did not expect the Texans definitely start 0 and 4 and have that season that they did this season. So, um, you know. The Texans just thank Bill O'Brien and Jack Easterby for ruining that franchise. Yeah, before I get to Furman, I want to read Casey King's comment. Isaiah is really a bunch of Higgins. I'm picking <laughs> the Broncos. It's Huggies. It's Higgins, Isaiah, not Huggies. Please, Vic Fangio, <laughs> I am begging you to trade for Deshaun Watson. So that we could stop Patrick Mahomes from winning that AFC West uh, division for the next five to seven years. Please trade for Deshaun Watson. Drew Locke is not the guy. Even I can stand down and admit that. All right. Now we're going to Furman. We got the Kansas City Chiefs. Good job picking the right team to win that division. Good. You're not like some people on our MI6 <laughs> network. Well, Kansas City and Mahomes is just special. Andy Reid special. Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, Demarcus Robinson, Sammy Watkins, Clyde Edwards, Hilaire. They're all special. So there's no way Denver, Las Vegas, or the Los Angeles Chargers are going to beat this team. Come on now. <laughs> yep, it was that division from literally from the start of the season. Like no one could really touch them at that point. Like they were going to clean sweep them all. But I think that they did lose to the Raiders. So, you know, it happens every now and then. But, you know, it's part of football. You can't win them all sometimes. The next up, the Tennessee Titans. Oh, see, Fer Furman knows how to pick his teams right every now and then. I give hey, I'm telling you, it's the <laughs> AFC. The AFC is very predictable, in my opinion, because they have a set of teams. Tennessee made it to the AFC Championship last year. The amount of disrespect I see from the spreadsheet against the Tennessee Titans is unreal. And you guys really think Phillip Rivers is going to carry your team to winning a division? Oh, how how much has this guy done since 2006, 2006 with Chargers at 14-2? and two? I mean, every single game I see from him, he just loses by seven points and throws a pick in every comeback drive. So... You gotta hit, you gotta hand that off to Tennessee. No brainer right there. All right, and then Pittsburgh Steelers. They were lucky. They started off hot in the year, and they just fell flat. And the Browns put them in the place in Wild Card Weekend. But you got the pick right for the division, so you're three and zero. You're looking, you know, pretty fly up here. So I mean, I I did get lucky. I'll admit it. I didn't think Pittsburgh was a great team, but they went eleven and zero, and they always seem to win the division with a big Ben. And I also had a feeling that Cleveland was probably going to be an 8-8 eight and eight team or something, and the Bengals would emerge as a crazy <laughs> contender. And then finally for Baltimore, like a, just like before with RG3, Colin Kaepernick, Michael Vick, with the running quarterback, I was like, you had a 14-2 and two season, which was great, but NFL teams are going to start figuring you out. So 
I had a feeling Baltimore was going nine and seven that this season, but hey, they went eleven and five, and I did. Th- I think they actually beat Cleveland and beat and won second place in that division. So it was a crazy comeback year for Baltimore, who were like six and five, I think, before the end of the season. So yeah. <laughs> And then the Patriots let us down with COVID. And Cam New was on the right track, but like he just didn't have the the right tools. So Buffalo ended up winning with Josh Allen. And like in my hot takes, you know, Josh Allen going to the NFC, no, the AFC championship game and losing. That was my only successful hot take this year in the NFL season. So I feel proud. <laughs> I mean, Buffalo, like I never sold into Josh Allen's offense. And I still not, I'm still not sold into this team <laughs> because I felt like Josh Allen, I've said it a million times, he got spoiled so much this season with a, a really good offensive line. He has like five or six seconds to throw. He didn't have that last season, and I didn't expect this season to be any much different than last season. But to my surprise, that offensive line, wow, it improved a lot. So before this season, I still had Buffalo going around 10 and 6, being in the wild card, but Man, that offensive line gave Josh Allen so many opportunities. But they got exposed by Kansas City. They blitzed him. And you saw what he could he you saw what he can't do when you blitz Josh Allen. He makes a couple of you know iffy decisions and he also always for some reason runs to his right at the last second and throws a ball and tries to keep that in before running out of bounds. So it's typical Josh Allen stuff, but hopefully I, Buffalo continues to have the same success. And then your last two picks, Cincinnati and Denver. It seemed like you started drinking some of Isaiah's Kool-Aid. What happened, my friend? What happened? Hey, man, I, I'm just going to tell you, Joe Burrow, come on now. If he didn't get hurt, would Cincinnati win two or three games this season? Joe Burrow was on fire this season. And I'm just going to tell you this. The reason why I won the MI6 Fantasy Sports fantasy sports football uh, championship is because of the AFC the AFC conference. I had all the players from Kansas City, Tennessee, and Pittsburgh. No, not Pittsburgh. I believe it was... Um, I did have some players there, but my, my main guys that actually carried me throughout the season was Joe Burrow, T. Higgins, and Tyler Boyd. These guys are monsters on offense that can't be disrespected. And I just I just got so heartbroken when Joe Burrow got hurt because I knew from that point on Cincinnati's not going to have a great end to their season. They had it going. I mean, I think they have the same situation as Josh Allen. As if you fix that offensive line in Cincinnati, everything's going to change. You have Joe Mixon. You're you're going to have all these wideouts, crazy wideouts. Even um, I think Uzama was their tight end who tore his Achilles in the very beginning of the season. He was re- he's also really good. So Cincinnati next season, I hope all these guys stay healthy. I still believe in this next season. I'm going to see Cincinnati making it to the wild card. At Denver, same thing. The same situation happened. But it's actually, um, I think it all went down with Cortland Sutton. I think after he got hurt, their offensive chemistry kind of went down. And I think that also kind of brought down Drew Locke's confidence. I thought Drew Locke, I actually bought into Drew Locke's great end to the season because he went four and one as a starter. Isaiah, you know, you're right about that. He did have a great promising look to the start of 2020. And on top of that, Vic Fangio, he's a defensive specialist. You've got all the great tools already and you could just game manage the your season away. But 
I don't know what happened on offense, honestly, because yeah, Sutton did get hurt, but Drew Locke just made terrible decisions. He's very sloppy with his footwork and throws overthrows receivers. So <laughs> I do like his dance moves, though. But I hope to see Denver coming back next season. Oh, and also, I, I have to mention Vic Fangio's terrible decision-making. That did not come across my mind at the beginning of this season. Hopefully, Vic Fangio fixes that before 2021. And let, I guess before I go to mine, I'll read your Super Bowl picks. Isaiah... Your 49ers, like said, injury-prone, slaughtered their chances of getting back there. And then Furman's pick. Oh, I see. See what you got. What you got? I want to make a clarification on that. So I picked San Francisco to make the Super Bowl, right? But I actually did have Tampa Bay versus San Francisco in the NFC Championship. And I had San Francisco beating Brady and Tampa Bay, you know, with that great defense, I believe that that Niners great defense would have been able to shut down that Tampa Bay offense. But, you know, I did not take into consideration and account for the fact that the Niners would be riddled with injuries all season long. Um, I had San Francisco versus Kansas City in the Super Bowl. But man, if I had picked Tampa Bay to beat San Francisco, I would have got my Super Bowl prediction right, even though I had got all my predictions like mostly wrong prior to the Super Bowl prediction. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you, Isaiah. I do not know what to tell you. And then Furman's pick was Kansas City. I feel like that's not a bad pick because everyone thought they were going to get back there and repeat. So obviously this story holds true. They took care of business in the in this postseason, though there was a couple scary scenarios when Patrick Mahomes got a concussion. Could unravel a lot of people's picks for the Kansas City to repeat, but we will have to wait and see, you know, what the Super Bowl brings out. And can Patrick Mahomes be like probably like the youngest quarterback to ever repeat? We'll have to, you know, see do how we that. have our do we have well, our matchups for the Super Bowl? Or is I it don't know. I think it's just the winner. Do we scroll over to the right a little bit, Isaiah? If it's a matchup, All I think right. it's just the winner. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's, it's just the winner. Okay. Well, I think I did have Kansas City and Tampa Bay in my mind. I think that's that had always been my prediction for the from the start of the season. But I still think uh, I'll just give my early Super Bowl prediction here. In in it's gonna happen in one one week and two days. But I'll just say it. Kansas City's right here. I picked it, and I still believe they're gonna win it because Tom Brady. You saw what happened against the against the Green Bay Packers. The the defense mostly carried that game. Tom Brady threw three picks in the fourth quarter, and it was really, really sloppy. I think if you force Tom Brady to throw under pressure, his deep balls are just very, very, you know, it's just very, very um, aggressive. It's, it's just forced, basically. So I think those are going to cause turnovers in Kansas City's favor. So I got Kansas City winning this one. Gotcha. Now let me go to my bad AFC takes. Ah, uh, yes. My AFC takes. How it all went wrong. Yeah, I picked the Kansas City Chiefs because they're like, the Chargers ain't weren't going to do it. The Broncos weren't going to do it. Raiders had too many quarterbacks. So I was like, no, Raider, Kansas City. Indianapolis and Phillip Rivers, I believed in Phillip Rivers. He, he had to go out and try to prove himself. And he went and did it, but didn't win the division. Thus, the Titans ended up winning the division. But it was very close and neck and neck throughout most of the season. And, you know, 
you could it was literally a coin toss between one of those two teams to end up winning that division. Baltimore and Lamar Jackson, I was on that MVP hype train. Thought he was going to take care of business and win that division. Steelers were going to stop him because Big Ben, you know, coming off of an injury, wasn't going to be as sharp that he once was. Baker Mayfield and the Browns are still trying to figure out, you know, some of their offensive issues. And it was going to be Lamar Jackson's for the take. And no, I was flat out wrong. It did not happen. But they ended up becoming a wild card team. So it wasn't that bad. The New England Patriots was plagued with COVID. And that really hurt their team. And Cam Newton didn't have any weapons. Now the Buffalo Bills, they were my team to win the, you know, go all the way to the AFC Championship game and lose. So they took care of business. So that's one thing, right? The Cleveland Browns clinching a wild card berth. That was a good pick by me. I am proud because I said Baker Mayfield was going to be a league MVP. So I was running off of that high train for that. And then the Houston Texans, it was before Deshaun Watson and, you know, Hopkins left. Well, Deshaun Watson's still there, but it was like before that team got dismantled and really screwed up everything. And then I was thinking it was going to be an AFC championship game between Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson was going to be able to redeem himself and take the Baltimore Ravens to the promised land and win the Super Bowl. I don't know who the matchup was, but I thought, you know, Lamar Jackson was going to be able to do it. And, you know, to prove that he was not only just a running quarterback, that he could actually pass the ball and win a Super Bowl with his arm instead of his legs. But, you know, that is my AFC takes. Let me read some of our fans' predictions and what they have, you know, to say. Um, Kiersey Wilson said the Cowboy seasons went downhill after Dak Prescott went down with his horrible ankle injury. Yep, that's, that's how I ended up, you know, losing my pick. Casey King's pick was, you know, the Rams to win the West, the Vikings to win the North, the Cowboys to win the East, the Saints to win the South. And his wild cards were the Bucks, the Niners, and the Cardinals. And boy, he'll never pick the cards as long as Casey, as Kingsbury is the coach. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm, as you can see, I'm feeling the tired fatigue of doing these shows now. And then his AFC prediction was the Chiefs in the West, the Colts in the South, the Bills in the East, the Ravens in the North. Wild card was Titans, Steelers, Browns. That's actually pretty spot on, actually. He got he got all the playoff he got all of the playoff pictures. Yeah, maybe not an order, but he did get like all of the playoff teams. Cause it was the Titans and the Colts that needed to be flipped. Yeah, Every, and and then. The Ravens and the Steelers. But he has all the correct teams. So if you were going to take anything from Casey King and any future pickums, ladies and gentlemen, I think he's your guy for any future pickums that we do on the show. So listen to his advice and you'll have a great chance of being successful on pickums. And, you know, I think we can move on to, you know, our next segment is in the NBA. So just recently that the, you know, Miami Heat ended up losing to the Clippers. And me personally, the season is still young. I understand they played 18 games, but there's a 72-game season, so there's nothing to worry about. All the Miami Heat really have to do is finish either above 500 or be 500 to literally get in. So there's nothing to worry about. But I'll let you, Isaiah go next. 
And what is your thoughts about, you know, the Miami Heat situation? Well, Trevor, um, oh, okay. Well, Trevor, I think that the Miami Heat are in trouble. And, you know, it's not the reason that – it's not the reason that you guys think that I'm referring to. I think right now the Miami Heat, who are, I believe, 6-12 and 12 on this young campaign, uh, they're just going through the – hangover right now after the miraculous run to the NBA Finals last season. And I think that they will get their act together before the season ends and make the playoffs. Uh, if you guys haven't followed the Miami Heat, Jimmy Butler has missed 10 games thus far with um, COVID-19. Uh, you know, they've had a bunch of players been in and out of the lineup. So it's been a lot of inconsistency when it comes to the lineup every game for the Miami Heat. You don't really know who's in and out of the lineup every single game. And that's really hard for a team to overcome on a consistent game-to-game -game basis. So I think once they get their full squad back, uh, when Jimmy Butler comes back from COVID, when uh, I think – Bam Adebayo, he has some type of injury. I might be wrong on that. But when their players get back and when their full squad gets back, I think the Miami Heat will be fine. And I think they will turn it around. But the reason why I think that the Miami Heat are in trouble is because I don't know if you guys remember this. Back in 2015, the Houston Rockets, they were led by James Harden and Dwight Howard. That Rockets team were supposed to be a really talented ball club. They were supposed to be a team that got to at least the Western Conference Finals, but they got off to a really slow start, and they didn't really get their act together and pick it up until the end of, or the, near the end of the season, and it, they ended up – getting the eighth seed in the West and having to face the loaded Golden State Warriors in the first round, and they got knocked out in five games. The Miami Heat, they don't want to be in that situation that the Rockets were. They better get their act together or else they will end up with a bottom three seed in the Eastern Conference playoffs and have to face either a Boston or a Milwaukee or even a Philadelphia in the first round. And if you're a Miami fan like my guy Martin Garcia is, shout out to you, Martin, you do not want to face any of those three teams in round one. You know, you'd rather have a smooth, easy first round matchup than either one of those three teams that I just named earlier that will either knock you out of the playoffs in the first first round or it will take all of your energy to dethrone them and to beat them and you will not have any more juice and energy uh, for the second round and beyond. So Miami, they got to get their act together because I'm not worried about Miami making the playoffs. It's about playoff positioning and home court advantage for the Miami Heat. So they got to get their act together um, for that if they want to you know, make a deep run like they did last year. And Furman, what about you? Should the Miami Heat really be in trouble, or is just the season's too young, and they can make a you know a nice bounce back later on? I still think the season's way too young to determine the actual outcome of the entire season, because Miami Heat have they've only played around eighteen games right now, I think, and it's not there's seventy two total games this season, and right now. The big, their biggest issue, in my opinion, is just all their rotations got messed up. Every player's going in and out, and they're not really into rhythm offensively or defensively. You've lost Jimmy Butler for almost the entire season so far due to COVID-19. 
And you've also had Tyler Hero, Goran Dragic, and Kendrick Nunn constantly being pushed in and out of the starting lineup. So they don't really know where, what their position is currently. And Bam Adebayo is the only person that has been healthy the entire season. And he's playing really well right now. I think if Jimmy Butler comes back, it might help them a lot because there's a lot of other ways they can score. And if Bam Adebayo, Adebayo continues to play really well right now, I think they're going to, as if everybody comes in and gets back into rhythm, they could get off in a really strong push in the second half of the season right now. And when I'm looking at the, the Eastern Conference, I see, a, I see it as a complete mess because a lot of these teams that I expected to be in the top eight seeds, they're in the bottom eight seeds right now and vice versa. My biggest surprise would probably be um, the Cleveland Cavs and the Knicks right now. They're, they're really in the mix right now. But and also the Raptors, they're they're going down big. Uh, they're not having a lot of success this season. I think Miami has a lot of opportunities to come back, and with a, especially with a healthy roster. My only biggest fear for Miami is probably the Brooklyn Nets because I think that's truly the only team, regardless of your seating position this year, that can actually um, have a really. Uh, it won't be a close game against Miami. I think that would be a definite blowout, a no-brainer. Um, but my other issue with Miami is that last year I think they relied a lot of relied very heavily on a rotation zone defense, and that was sort what sort of brought them to their success all the way to the NBA Finals. They did not have a lot. They did not have a star player last year. Yes, Jimmy Butler. They they had him. They had Bam Adebayo, Tyler Hero on and off, not really healthy, and Duncan Robinson having his career nights in the regular season, but. There wasn't really like a, like a standout player that would would lead them and was their main scorer. It was mainly their defense that brought them all the way up to the NBA Finals. And I think this year they're just getting exposed and their defense hasn't been the same. It's been pretty sloppy. And they they have a lot, they force they commit a lot of turnovers themselves, which cancels out on a lot of the good possessions they have, especially defensively. So. I think the I think the NBA is slowly sort of you know figuring them out and just having a lot of ways to work around what their rotations are, how they respond to each offense's attack right now. So I think Miami's main concern is defense right now. I think they have to figure out how to get their players back together in rhythm and just keep a keep a lot of good possessions and not waste any of them. And all right, that that will do for us on our NBA segment. But gentlemen, let us now get ready for our Power Five. Gentlemen, our Power Five segment tonight is top five sea creatures so isaiah introduce you your power five for sea creatures yes this is like our first nature power five that we've done here on no bs i am very very excited to do this and you know there's a lot of creatures 
in the world and in the ocean. So this was like really, really tough just to narrow it down to a top five. But before I get to my top five, I'm going to give a uh, an honorable mention. And I got to say, it's the octopus. You know, the octopus, they've got octopus has a lot of suction cups and it's a very, very unique creature. And they've got like a lot of arms and legs and stuff like that. I don't even know if you call it legs or arms, but we'll, we'll keep it that way. But the octopus would be my honorable mention. But here's my top five, ladies and gentlemen. And number five on this list uh, I'm going to go with is, hold on, let me pull it up, the sea turtle right here, the sea turtle, as you guys can see. The sea turtle, you know, it's a, it's a creature that is obviously living in the ocean. It's a very famous creature, uh, you know, with that hard shell, and like you see the picture, it's very cute, and I've, you know, raised sea turtles, not sea turtles, but I have had turtles um, as pets back when I was a young kid. And, you know, they always crawl around your house and uh, they're very easy to take care of. So I'm going to go with the sea turtle as my number th number five. Um, let me get the other pictures. Number four on my list will be the, the eel. The eel right there, ladies and gentlemen. The eel. Eels. Yes, you guys might think it's like really gross, but first of all, uh, the eel is very slippery. It's very slimy. I petted it once in a aquarium, and it was very, very slimy. I can confirm that. Plus, it's good to eat. Have you tried eel and rice? Like it's a Japanese-style dish. Like. It <laughs> Eel, you ate eel. Yes. Explain eel. yourself. Yes, it's a Japanese dish. I'm trying to find the uh, a picture of it, but uh, it's so good with, oh, it's called unagi. It's an unagi dish where it's an eel with, you know, you have the, you have the special sauce that they have and rice. It's very good. Next time you guys go to uh, a Japanese restaurant, I really recommend you guys to get that. But uh, I know we're not supposed to like talk about eating these sea creatures, but I just had to put that out there. You, just, uh, you know, you know, some tuna and call it a day. Hey, I, I might get reported for uh, animal abuse right there. But <laughs> but um, that's number four on my list. Number three on my list is a very very unique creature, and it's a creature that resides where I grew up from, and that is the humu humu nuku nuku apu ah. And, 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 ladies and gentlemen, you guys probably like dropped your jaw on the ground and were like, what did Isaiah just said? Yes, I'm going to repeat it slowly. The humu humu nuku nuku apu ah is the state fish of Hawaii. And let me... Let me pull up an article real quick from our good friends at Wikipedia to further explain what the Humuhumunukunuku Apua'a is. And give me a second, ladies and gentlemen. Right there, it is a trigger fish. It's a trigger fish. It is the state fish of Hawaii. Um, it's got like a it's got a couple of spots. It's got two spines. It swims in warm water. Uh, so that is what it is. It's not really an aggressive fish. It's just like always swimming 
uh, in the ocean. Uh, if you don't, you know, trigger it, not no pun intended, if you don't <laughs> trigger it, then uh, it won't really do anything to you. So that's basically my number three. The humu humu nuku nuku apua'a is my number three. It sounds like you're making a chant. <laughs> but it could also be a good song, though. <laughs> Yes, yes, we should we should put we should make a song of it on uh, no BS. I think that's what we should definitely work on. But oh, no. <laughs> uh, number two on my list, the Hammerhead Shark. And ladies and gentlemen, the reason why I say the Hammerhead Shark is my number two. It's because look at its face; it is uniquely shaped. Uh, it's a unique creature, and you know it's a very vicious creature. I really like this creature a lot. Uh, when you look at it, you know, uh, besides the head, you, you kind of feel intimidation from it when you like, I hope none of you guys have swam by it, but you kind of feel intimidation by it when you're looking at the photo. And number one on this list, I think you guys probably know what it is. The it sea is cucumber. The <laughs> dolphin. The <laughs> dolphin. The cutest animal in the world i mean just look at this right here it's absolutely so cute my god look at this picture i just can't get enough of it but the dolphin is my number one one of the cutest creatures in the world i love the dolphin so much all right Isaiah, some good power fives in your power five segment so, trevor before yes. before Furman or you go I think we should ask Callan if we could maybe make this dolphin a primary photo here on No BS. Why? I mean, just look at it. It's so charming. Don't worry. My, my, I will have a better picture that we can use on No BS when I go through my Power 5. But before I get to my Power 5, I go to Kirsty Wilson's Power 5. Her Power 5 is the seahorse. Good, elegant animal. Number four, Isaiah, is your dolphin. Has been degraded, has been downgraded, a down tier. Number three, the killer whale is better than the dolphin. Mm, beautiful. Number two is a stingray. Ooh. And number her number one is the starfish. Her honorable mention is the humpback whale. Majestic creature. It is. But now let me move to my. Power five segment. So to start us off on our glorious endeavor on my sea critter journey, it has to start with number five, the beluga whale. And I think this is perfect because it reminds me of us laughing at Isaiah's hot take. <laughs> so I think the beluga whale is here to stay. So when you find out Isaiah talks about Nick Mullins and you oh. laugh yourself to sleep. Beautiful pick. The beluga whale, it has that eco location so it can you know, have that sonar to detect anything. So it's a beautiful, cute creature with its bold head. And there's an aircraft called a beluga. So it's perfect. And it has a, a machine named after it. That's how you know the beluga whale is top-notch. And that's why it has to be a number five at this list. My number four position is the saw shark. So the saw shark is a shark with a saw and as a nose, basically. So it's better than a hammerhead because it has a saw in front. So where you would go into a fight. Would you have a hammer or would you have a saw? I would take a saw into a fight so I can saw some arms off. But that's just me. And then you can hammer. You can. Love it. Yeah, it has a shape of a, you know, saw as well. Um, what else we got here? My next one, my number three, 
is the swordfish. Just look at that. So majestic. And swordfishes can go really big in the deep blue sea. So imagine, you know, you're on your fishing boat. You cast your line out. You sit. And now you got to heave in the big string. And you got to heave it in. And then when I'm out in the deep blue sea, you got to bring your captain hat back so you can drive your boat around. So you can catch yourself a good night swordfish. And then our next one on my list is my number two is the manta ray. Very majestic creatures. I know some people would confuse it say, oh, it's a stingray. It's not. It's a manta ray. Manta rays are beautiful and majestic. And they're fun to, you know, as they swim above you when you're in a, an aquarium in that sense. And the last but not least for my Power 5 segment is the killer whale. It is so beautiful and it's majestic. And then you see him at the aquarium, aquarium swimming around, having a good time. But I think the thing that really sold it to me was in the movie Happy Feet where they were tossing mumbo around. And I just saw all the great memes from the killer whales. And that's why I say, you know, I got to, you know, put this creature on the, this list. Furman, were you able? What? Don't forget Shamu from SeaWorld. Oh, you can't forget SeaWorld, but we know SeaWorld has some issues with their orcas every now and then, though, Isaiah. We know this, but, you know, got to represent, you know, San Diego where, you know, calendars reside. So, you know, those are always there. But Furman, what about you? What is your top five sea creatures for today? Well, this is a very interesting topic because sea creatures are actually one of my most interesting things I've ever, you know, one of the most interesting uh, things that I'm just really curious about. You know, the, the ocean is massive and there's just a lot of things going on. And I think compared to land, there's just obviously much more things to see and do. And I feel like being an animal in their perspective, there's a lot of capabilities that they have that we don't as humans. And it's very interesting just to, you know, see, see what's going on there. So I'm just going to go through my list. It's very interesting. I think you guys have really interesting lists as well, but for my number five, I'm going to have to start this off with the angler fish at number five. I think this is a very, very interesting creature because like look at the top of its antenna. It's like a, a lumen light and, this fish lives under the sea, you know, really deep. And it's just, it's just really, 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 um, you know, everywhere under the sea when it's, when you're all the way down there, it's pitch black. You cannot see a thing. But the fact that these fish have their own types of light to, you know, allow them to navigate around the bottom of the ocean like this is amazing. And given, uh, given how big the ocean is, this is, this is awesome. I wish I could do that in the dark without having to depend on a flashlight. So at number four, I'm going to have to probably give this, hmm, it's a tough one. But I'm going to, I honestly, am, I'm just going to wing this. I'm going to give it to the dolphin <gasps> because, you know, dolphins, they're really cute and they, they have a really distinctive personality. I think we can relate to them the most as well because these guys are mammals, I believe, and they're not just going to have to rely on, on the water to live. They also have to rely on land resources to live. They have to be able to breathe. And that's a lot of the traits that we have to, we have to de depend on too. 
We're made up mostly of water, but we also have to survive on land. And I believe dolphins were the closest animals to land, and they're able to adapt to the ocean and to land, which is pretty cool. And they also have a lot of stories of dolphins, you know, interacting really in a really friendly manner to to people. And, you know, it's just a really amazing creature to be around. So for my number three, number three animal on the list for sea creatures, I think, I'm going to have to give it to the seahorse because the seahorse is the seahorse is amazing. It's a very unique animal. And, you know, it's just I've actually never seen any of these in an actual, you know, ocean or lake or anything. I mean, I've the most I've come the closest I've come to seeing these type of creatures is in an aquarium. And I don't know, it's just really fascinating to me, their pose and everything. It kind of remind, reminds me of the night. Um, the night piece in chess. So it's a really cool creature. Um, hope to see more of these eventually. And coming off to number two, this is probably going to be a very surprising one. I'm going to have to choose the coral as my number two, my number two animal or sea creature. And I found this hard to believe at first because I was very surprised that sea creatures corals would be considered sea creatures coral reefs are made up of animals and to me i just i just think of this as nature it's not necessarily animals but these are actually actually living things they rely off of extreme temperatures and extreme environments to survive and that's why you're seeing all these beautiful um you know all these beautiful corals around you know rocks surfaces vents and in all this all these fish swimming around it so they're they make up the environment and the environment helps helps them to survive or allows them to survive in these extreme conditions and it's just amazing you know i just you know corals they they give us a great view they also make great souvenirs so this has to be number two on my list and then number one on my list this in my opinion is a no-brainer you know, I wish I could have this capacity because number one in my list, it could apply to anything. It could apply to any, you know, variant of the species, but it's got to be the blue whale. I mean, the blue whale is just massive. You know, it, it probably weighs as much as a cruise ship or even more. I mean, this, the average length of this, of a blue whale is like 70 to 80 feet. And it's just massive. And I just can't believe it that an animal at this capacity is something that we can barely imagine on land, which isn't even possible on land. And the blue whale, its lifespan is as much as humans. So, and it is also very closely related to humans as well as animals um, or they're mammals. So they rely on land to breathe. And, and other than that, you know, they're, they're also surviving in the waters, but just look at the, look at how big this is. You know, every time it eats, every time it, you know, drinks water or anything i mean it's just the amount it can take in just one bite is insane and and just you know given the size of this blue whale just tells you how big the ocean really is and how much more there is for us to explore i wish we could do that just like the blue whale can and the blue whale finally um it you know it thrives on land and water but because of its size it has to be number one on my list it's just it's just amazing. I mean, I wish I could be a blue whale, but 
that would wrap up my power five. So this was a pretty interesting topic for me. All right. Let me read some of our viewers' comments before we head into our final thoughts. Kirsty Wilson's comments is, don't get me wrong. I love, absolutely love Dolphins, but it's just hard for, you know, for her to pick a power five in this topic, in this category. Casey King's power five is the swordfish, seals, marlinfish, dolphins, and killer whales. Very good power fives. Oh, and from, I'm assuming, Steven, we need to build an MI6 submarine. You know, fans, donate so we can, you know, build the MI6 submarine. Because, you know, why not? So I can be a captain on this submarine. (laughs) I second that notion yes we need an mi6 submarine so we could do some exploring in the deep sea and you know explore some of these creatures that we talked about today and even the creatures that we left off our our list uh it would be so fascinating to you know go into the ocean and see all the nice creatures uh that are swimming down below all right gentlemen let's move on to our final thoughts All right, gentlemen, it's been an hour and almost 45 minutes on this spectacular show on season three of No BS, episode three. Very three for three, you know? We should have like a a meal plan that says a three for three, and you get this nice, you know, meal off of it. I don't know what you would put with an MI6, a three for three, but if we were a restaurant, that's what you would get tonight. But Isaiah, what is your final thoughts? Well, Trevor, before I get into my final thoughts, um, I want to thank uh, Stephen, Casey King, Christy Wilson, um, as well as Ishmael Lancaster, who I think was is our or is a first time viewer tonight. Really appreciate you for uh, tuning into our show. Um, I also want to thank my guy Shreya Nod, um, as well as let's see, Henry G and. Richard Daniels for tuning in to our show tonight. We really appreciate you guys for all the love and the support that you give us. My final thoughts for tonight's show is I got two things. Number one, John Lynch, I'm praying that tomorrow when I wake up that this will be reality, that Matthew Stafford will be a San Francisco 49er, and I will be able to trade in my Nick Mullins jersey for a Matthew Stafford uh, jersey with the 49ers, and you know, hopefully we can see my guy, number nine, Matt Stafford, lead this team, the 49ers, with my guy, with my coach Kyle Shanahan to win some Super Bowls because, you know, it's been a long, long time since the Niners have won a Super Bowl. I believe it's been, what, 29 years since the Niners last won a Super Bowl. It's been a long time. So that drought needs to end. So hopefully um, John Lynch can pull it off for Matthew Stafford. And my other final thought for tonight's show is, ladies and gentlemen, uh, please go to the Sliced Fruit Podcast Instagram account. I was on with my friends uh, Gigi Shu and Lord Shing Shu. Uh, we talked about you know my experiences uh, in sports podcasting in the sports media industry, as well as working for the A's and working for the 49ers. And we just talked about my journey the last couple of years. Um, my life journey the last couple of years. It was a very good show. Really recommend you guys to. Go check it out. You guys can check out the show on Google Podcasts, Anchor Podcasts, Spotify, and all your 
podcasting channels out there. Go check it out. Really recommend you guys too. It's a it was a very good show. And Furman, your final thoughts for tonight. Just want to really thank everybody for tuning into our show. Um, just want to thank you guys for, especially Trevor, for hosting us for No BS every week. Um, we miss Callen. Hopefully, you know he's doing well as well. Um, thank you to the audiences that's that has been supporting us. Thank you for the usual audiences that uh, show up to watch every single one of our episodes. Um, it's been great, you know, and I hope to continue this. I hope that we'll see a lot more exciting news, especially in the NFL within this coming week as the free agency nears. And yeah, hopefully everybody stays safe and take care and enjoy their weekend. Yep. I will say it's been a fantastic show, gentlemen. It's been you know, a very good three for three so far on No BS. Can't wait for episode four next Friday as we, you know, get ready for the Super Bowl and all that excitement ramped up for that. Just want to do a quick announcement that our shows and our schedule, I know we haven't really got our paid shows straightened out for our images yet, but in the coming days, we'll get our lineup situated. So in February, we'll have a nice fresh lineup when we are live and what days we're going to be and all of the time slots. So as of right now, on Mondays and Wednesdays, is Wild Sports Talk at 7.30 Pacific Time. Tuesdays, we are off to let us rejuvenate and come up with some great topics for Wild Sports Talk on Wednesday. You know, that one dude, John Alcorn, tune in on Thursdays, I'll, a, I guess, 11.30 you know, Central, so 10.30 Pacific time. You know, make sure you tune into that. Back at it here on Friday with no BS at 9.30 Pacific time or 10, depending on the time. Isaiah, you, I see you have something. Yeah, um, I just want to give a quick announcement before you continue with the schedule, Trevor, and that is uh, I will actually be hosting a brand new MI6 baseball show uh, starting next week, Tuesday. Um, I believe we're going to start the show at around 8 p.m. Pacific time, 11 Eastern, um, and it's going to be a show all about MLB. We're going to dive into the news and notes of baseball, and you know when the baseball season does in fact get started, we're going to talk about um, the games as well as uh, if there was any moves that were made in baseball. So looking forward to that next week, Tuesday here on the MI6 Sports Network. And also, um, before you go back into the schedule, Trevor, just want to make a quick note, no fan response tomorrow. And, yep, thank you, Isaiah. We'll continue off of that. So no fan response tomorrow. And then we have the night shift at 1030 Pacific time on Saturday. And uh, lastly, to close out the week is, you know, the night shift at 1030 Pacific time on Sunday. And that will conclude the MI6, you know, schedule for this week. You know, make sure you tune in for your favorite shows and your favorite, you know, hosts. And that will do it for us on MI, on the MI6 for no BS. Take care, everyone. Enjoy your, you know, week Pro Bowl weekend and take care. Yeah. Three C's, my P. Yeah. One, two, three. Say one, two, three. Three C's, my P. Yeah. It's going down. Y'all know what time it is. We ain't playing with you in the club.